Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Kevin Geary. Kevin is the founder of Digital Ambition and host of the Digital Ambition podcast. After building three successful online businesses in three separate niches in less than five years, he turned his attention toward helping other people start an online lifestyle business so they can escape the rat race, make an impact, and live life without limitations. Today, we're going to talk about overcomplicating business practices, whether it's creating crazy funnels, intricate products and websites, reinventing the wheel, or trying to be everywhere. We'll learn what has worked from Kevin's experience, what maybe could be avoided if you're doing this yourself and not working with someone to help you, and where other people are missing the mark. Kevin, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm very Thank excited. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Well, I am extremely good at overcomplicating things and reinventing the wheels, so I know I'm going to get a lot of value out of today's conversation, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. But to start us off, can you share how you got started? What got you to where you are today? For sure. Uh, so let's go back to 2008. Uh, I was starting a martial arts studio here in Atlanta, and I was the co-owner of that studio. Uh, that was my first real, like, real venture into entrepreneurship. I've been a, a lifelong entrepreneur, um, but it's mainly been like side hustle, kind of dabbling because you know I, I wanted a like a steady thing, and then I wanted to just kind of play around with entrepreneurship. Uh, but the, this martial arts studio in 2008, I got the opportunity to open this with a successful uh, owner of a, a, not a chain, but yeah, he was kind of trying to make it into a chain. And he gave me a start opening a, what, what amounted to a new location. And so I jumped on that opportunity and I ran that from 2008 to about 2012, 2013. Now, the problem was he wasn't, such a great partner. Like we, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but uh, I didn't have a lot of control and I was very young and um, I, I started to also see a big shift in the martial arts industry in general, at least in that side of it, like the Taekwondo karate's of the world. They were like going very heavy on selling out just, you know, write checks for belts. Here you go. It's all about the money. And that really wasn't what I wanted to participate in. I was very interested in like legitimate instruction uh, and legitimate ranking. And so like all the factors combined, I just really started to feel like, all right, this thing that I'm stuck in is sucking the soul out of me. And in 2012, my first daughter was born and that made it worse because now I was like leaving her to go to this terrible place. I was confined to a schedule. And, and I really started to look at like everything that was going on. And I said, you know what? I I don't want to be in this position anymore. I also don't want to go to another job because I don't want to be tied to a schedule. I don't want to be tied to a location. And I started putting my entrepreneurial skills that I had acquired to work online. And so I started a health and fitness brand in 2013, was working it on the side, and it really got traction and momentum fairly quickly. And about 
eight months later, I was making the same as I was making in that position at the martial arts studio. And I basically talked to my wife, talked to one of my friends and decided to take a leap. And I was like, I'm out. And uh, I went full time online and have not looked back since. Uh, a year and a half after that, I was making three times as much as I had been. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Now, what I really wanted to do this entire time, because I think, you know, that I had an opportunity to make a pretty good impact in, in that niche, but I don't think there is a bigger impact to make than helping people do what I did, which is become location independent, become schedule independent, become financially independent. I think I call that the ultimate freedom. And I think online business especially is an opportunity that gives you all of those things in, in an accessible way that I don't think any human in history has had the opportunity to pursue. Like we have a very, very unique opportunity. So when I look at impact, uh, I don't think there's anything I could be doing that has a bigger impact for people. And that's really why I started what was Six Figure Grind and now, and now is Digital Ambition, the Digital Ambition podcast. I want to attract as many people as possible to this opportunity. Well, I think they're saying that within the next three years or so, over 40 or 45% of the population is going to be virtual versus trying to work at office jobs and in that confined structure. So you're sure. certainly a, ahead of the game. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we look at the landscape, I think it's obvious to everyone that going, driving in a car, sitting in rush hour, going into an office for a lot of the jobs that people are doing is simply not necessary anymore. Uh, and then I also think, you know, along with remote work, I, I think that quote unquote employees are going to be able to serve multiple companies, multiple brands with the skills that they have potentially. But then you're going to see a lot of people becoming freelancers in, in the work that they do online. Uh, and then going beyond that into different forms of online businesses that are, you know, total entrepreneurship opportunities. But the internet is you know, the place to be for, for the future, for sure. Uh, people are going to be flooding in as they recognize the opportunity this year, even if they don't intend on doing it full-time as a side hustle, because there's so little risk. There's so much upside. One of the biggest complaints I get from people is I hate having an income ceiling. I actually like my job. That's what people tell me. I actually like my job. I don't have any intention on leaving it, but I hate the fact that I have a ceiling. And I hate the fact that, you know, I, I like I recognize the opportunity. I would love to do something on the side, supplement my income and, you know, have fun with that. And so, cool. That's that's an opportunity, too. That's awesome. That's great. So with the topics we had talked about with overcomplicating business practices, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there. Let's say they haven't started their side hustle. Right. Mm -hmm. They're going to think that it's incredibly hard to even get started. Uh, for brands, managers, and agencies who are listening, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what can I do with this? How can I get my business going in that direction? It just sounds like a lot of work. Because that's the first thing everyone thinks of is everything's going to be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. We go and deep dive into, you know, how you suggest not overcomplicating your business practices and how you can actually create this online digital business world and be successful. So the first thing, and, and I want this to kind of stick in people's minds when they're doing, and when you're thinking about starting, that's a little bit different than if you're already doing something. 
but what I always say that I, I like this phrase to just stick in people's minds because anytime they're like, okay, new initiative, let me take action, right? They should review this little thing, right? And it's this, make the simplest thing fail first. That's what I always tell people, make the simplest thing fail first. People have this idea that in order for something to work, in order for something in marketing or online business to be successful, it has to be complicated. And so they sit down and they map out like these very intricate steps. And if this happens, we'll do this and then this. And it's like, a, it's like an eight part funnel and we have to have a, a one-time uh, offer and we have to have this upsell on the back end that goes to a downsell. And they just go step by step by step with all this complication. And then I come in and I'm like, but you didn't make the simplest thing fail first, right? So if they say to themselves, I'm going to make the simplest thing fail first, the question is, what is the simplest thing? All right, well, let's implement the simplest thing. Now let's see what happens. If it fails, it fails. You can always make it more complicated. But what often happens is they implement the simplest thing and it works. And you don't need any more complexity beyond that. So if you didn't make the simplest thing fail first, then you haven't really started in the place you should have started in. You got to start with the simplest thing because it often works. If it does happen to fail, that's fine. You made it fail first. Now we move on and add a little bit of complexity and we can move our way up from there. But there's no reason to just dive into the deep end of complexity thinking that that's how it has to be. And I think a lot of times people tell themselves the story of, well, simple can't work because if simple worked, everybody would do it. But really everybody's doing the really complex stuff, right? And they're getting mired in just overwhelm. And like you said, you know, they, it seems like it's going to take a lot of work. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't take a lot of work, you know? Uh, and it, it depends on the mindset you come at it with. So let's talk about starting for a minute. What is the number one thing people do online when they start? I need a website. And they go build this giant website. They sit down and they're like, I need an about page and a this page and a that page and the products and the services and on and on and on. And what we find is that, hey, when you're first getting started, it's actually better to build what I call a hook and lure website, which is a one page website that has very specific messaging on it. It's a very specific layout and style. And the entire point of a hook and lure website is to validate your messaging to the audience you're trying to reach because there's a very specific outcome that we want to achieve on the hook and lure website. And so if you're sending traffic to your hook and lure website and they're not converting, then we have a messaging problem and we can fix the messaging problem and we can, or we can fix the offer problem. But if you have a giant website and you're trying to send traffic from all these different places and they're going to all these different pages and then you're like, it's not converting. Okay, which part of it? Because you built this massively complex thing when nothing was proven in the first place, right? So that's another, that's right out of the gate. That's one way that people go ultra complex online when they should have made the simplest thing fail first. And that goes with whether that is an actual product or a service, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, with a product that somebody's trying to create, well, first of all, Let's go to the, how did we get the idea for the product, right? Did we sit around and brainstorm and say, hey, what do, pe what do I think people want? And then we build it because that would be the incorrect way to do it. That would be the complex way to do it. It's much easier if you know the people you're trying to serve to go figure out, number one, do they already want something that doesn't exist? Or are they buying something, but it's not that great and we can make a much better version of it. It's easier to sell things to people when they're already asking for it versus having to create something new and then educate them on why they need it. 
That's what happens a lot of times with companies is they're like, hey, we're going to create this. We got a, a brilliant new revolutionary product idea. And then they take it to the market and the market's like, what is that? I don't know what that is. How does that work? What's that going to do for me? You know? And then it's a very expensive to educate them and convince them versus what I typically teach for new online business owners is let's go into a niche. Let's find the itch in that niche, the problem that people are really having. Let's figure out how to solve that problem. And then let's involve them in the process of solving the problem. So it's actually conversations of like, all right, cool. I'm going to build this thing. Now, here's what it's going to look like. Are you in? Here's what it's going to look like. Here's what it's going to do. Are you in? Because if you're in, I will give you a, like a really good deal to help, help me build this. I'll build it alongside you. So it's the best thing that you could have imagined. And then I will release it later to everybody else. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to come in and build it with me. And people are like, heck yeah, I will do that. Because if you think about it, you know, a product that might be $300, $500, $1,000 down the line, they're going to get in for you know, a hundred bucks and they get to build it with you and tell you exactly what it should do. A lot of people jump at that opportunity. And so now what you're doing is validating that and then you build it and then you release it and it works because you built it with real people, not out of your imagination, but off of real market feedback and relationships. And so that's another example of just the simplest way to do it, right? Like you go in, you ask people what they want, see what they need, build it for them, sell it to them, move on with your life. And the same thing would go for online courses, I'm assuming, too, where you can actually, instead of developing and building it, you could actually bring people in, start having conversations, and create almost a live version of a web course that you can then repackage. For sure. So that's what I do with all of my courses. I pre-sell them. And so I have a group of people in a specific niche, and I tell them what my idea is. I map out an outline for them. I tell them what the outcome is going to be. I tell them what the eventual price is going to be. And then I say, do you want to get in early? And they say, yep, I want to get in early. Now, it's, I'm not a stranger to them. Like they know what I bring to the table, right? right. So they raise their hand. They say, sure. And then what I typically do is live uh, sessions with them. And so I plan out the content with these live sessions with them getting their feedback. And then so we roll through it. I get all, everything mapped out. And then what I do, prove that it works, get the testimonials, then take everything that we did and I close it down. I repackage everything the way it's supposed to look for an online course. Mm -hmm. And then I do a real launch. Yeah. And a lot of people that see the real launch don't see the initial person, uh, part that we did behind the scenes that we did live with everything, right? But I validated, I got, and I made sure that, hey, people are willing to take out their wallet for this because that's another mistake people make is they just ask, hey, would you pay for this? And then people are like, yeah, heck yeah, I'd pay for that. And then they build it. And then they're like, okay, ready to, ready to pay. And they're like, oh, oh, see, I don't want it anymore, right? Like, yeah. you know, they weren't really willing to pay for it. Sure. So the only way you know is if people actually take out their wallet and pay you. Um, but this initial process is, you know, when I'm done with a course, I know it's exactly what people want and need because there were real people in it telling me every step of the way, no, change that. No, I don't need that. No, this one's out of order. You got to put it in a different order. That doesn't make any sense. Explain it a different way. That kind of stuff, right? right. You can't brainstorm that stuff. No, and it's great because you're actually getting paid something in order to create. To, to build the course. Yeah. Absolutely. And you think this can work with brands who are building products as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what is the, and, and this isn't a, a new concept to the 
product building space, Mm -hmm. uh, the concept of making a minimum viable product, like what is the minimum product that you can build and then sell and then get feedback and then release a version two and, and just continue to work your way up like that. I mean, Apple's done this for years. Everybody complains. They're like, hey, it's the same iPhone as last year. No, it's, it's got like a few new things. They, they continuously improve on it because they have to put these new things in the hands of people and get people to actually use it and see what the market says and responds and all that. And so it's a process. Um, and same with, with everything, right? Uh, and you see that there's in, in course groups, for example, where um, you know people are coming to get support and accountability and things like that. You'll see posts all the time. Like, I'm in month six of building my course. And I just, I don't know how I'm going to finish this thing. And it's like month six, like I built a course last week in seven days, you know, like there's this, so there's this other problem of building giant things, you know, that serve all these people and all of their problems. That was one of the main mistakes I made when I started my first online business is I tried to make this big six month, signature course that did this and this and this and this. And it becomes not only very clunky for the people going through it, because there's always parts of it that just don't apply to certain people. And they feel like they're having to wade through stuff that doesn't apply to them to get to stuff that does apply to them. Even though it's a really, you know, good course for everybody, it's just not a great experience. And then it's hard to sell. It's hard to market where if you, if you just identify like one of the small problems that people have, you make a product that fixes that, and then you make another product that fixes this thing over here, or you work them up a ladder where, you know, if it's a big problem, like in health and fitness, if you're taking somebody from, you know, 280 pounds to 180 pounds, it's kind of a long journey, you know? Uh, And so you think, well, I I need this big program to lead them through. It's going to be a year long journey. Well, a lot of people won't sign up for that, you know? So if you give them like a smaller thing to focus on, to get them to a quicker win, they'll buy that and you get them to the quick win. Then you move them to the next product in the ladder. Now we get a little bit deeper into the relationship here and into the work that we're doing. And then for the higher level people, we go even one or two more steps above that. And so you're working this value ladder concept. Um, There's a lot of ways to, to do this stuff, but again, it's what is the simplest? What is the simplest way to get somebody from point A to point B. The lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. Lowest hanging fruit, less amount of steps, less amount of software and apps and all this, you know, like there's a bunch of people I go into their business and they've got 17 different things connected together. And they're like, well, it keeps, it's not working. There's something, something's broken. I'm like, well, what part of it's broken? I don't know. I got all these things connected together. You know, it's people are mired in complexity, you know, and they think I, for some reason that they need it, that it's, it must be that way in order to make things work. And it's just not the case. Well, I think technology is, uh, leads us astray thinking that it's making things easier and simpler when sometimes it's just adding those extra layers where links are going to break. Yes. But the problem is now we have these like all in one systems that are coming out. Mm -hmm. And the problem with those is they do everything very mediocre, you know? And then if, if, for, you know, and I just went through something with Facebook, right? And everybody thinks it's not going to happen to me. But if you're using one of these all-in-one systems and it goes down yeah. or they decide they don't like you or something, that your entire business is on this one platform. That's really, you know, dangerous. So, 
You know, you can't really go that route. So you're kind of forced to put these pieces together. You just got to make sure you manage it and don't let it get out of control and become a monster on you. And that you can pivot as you've just proven. Yeah. Because what all you listeners may or may not know, if you're familiar with Kevin, if you're not familiar with him, Facebook just decided to no longer allow him to really use his business's name and use it for advertising. That's basically the gist of it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so the old brand name was Six Figure Grinds, and they basically black. It's not really the domain or the name. Uh, it was the domain itself. So my page is actually still active. Uh, but I just did get an API notification that something's not posting to it. So maybe I should go check it. Maybe it's still not. I wasn't using it anyway, but uh, it, that could be down now. Um, but yeah, my personal account, fully functional. My ads account, fully functional. Uh, my groups, fully fun everything fully functional, except you cannot post the, the link to that domain, sixfiguregrind.com, anywhere on Facebook, not in Messenger, not on pages, not in groups. Not anywhere. Nobody can. They can't share the articles from that site. Nothing. So they blacklisted the domain. They never gave a reason. They gave copy and paste responses. And I, you know, I still don't know to this day. So I had to rebrand because I do need Facebook's ad platform running to my business. And since that domain was my business, well, had to change. So here we are. Were you down at the point where everyone went down on Facebook advertising? Uh, what do you mean? Well, just last week when for a or week before last couple of days, well, for a full day. Oh, Facebook did something happen in. with, oh, okay. I didn't did know that. I didn't even know because no, you were in your own that. world. Their was, entire yes. globe went down on Facebook. There was no advertising within oh, a 24-hour period. I, I, okay, so I did have a problem with my normal organic feed with posting. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, that was but, the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I, didn't I, I looked at it and I was like, I don't have time to deal with this. Like, it can't get any worse. <laughs> I'm just, I'm letting it go for a day. Well, if everyone, I mean, you had big businesses, small businesses, everyone was upset and people are actually coming after Facebook right now, asking for monetary damages because they lost oh, a full wow. day of advertising. There's companies out there who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, yeah. advertising yeah. on a daily basis, like a crazy yeah. amount of money. And so to say that you could not advertise your business at all through Facebook and when that is what you've built your entire brand around, that was massive for you. Yes. No, absolutely. And you think about diversifying. You think you are diversified, but then you look at like, but Facebook really has this very unique platform in, that, in how like the amount of information they've collected on people, the way these ads can be delivered to them. It's tough to find other platforms where you can create that level of effectiveness. I mean, you, you do have the, uh, the Google Ads platform, which is very, very powerful, but in a completely different way. You know, like I, I always teach with, with Google Ads in terms of some businesses that that is far more effective because you're not interrupting people with ads with Google as you are on Facebook. You're targeting things that people are actually searching for, which right. is actually much more powerful. The question is, is it cost prohibitive? How good are you at converting that traffic when you get it? Because it is expensive traffic, right? Yes. And then you need a little bit of knowledge related to SEO and keyword research. Like, am I bidding on the right terms? Because it's very easy to bid on terms that, you know, you might get irrelevant traffic. So, you know, it, you can try to diversify, 
But when, when, you come, when it comes to cost, reach, that kind of stuff, like it's hard to compete with what Facebook's got going on. And so if they decide, well, you can't use us anymore or, hey, our platform doesn't work today. I mean, that's a massive, you know, <laughs> blow to a lot of businesses. It really is. And my answer to the Google issue with AdWords is make blogs, as many blogs as you can and write in keywords. And I know you do this, Kevin, as well, where you publish quite a bit of blogs. We do that as an agency as well to get around some of that Google dollar scare. Yes, for sure. But, you know, SEO is getting more competitive and it's not as easy as it used to be. Nope. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at like, publishing 3000 word articles because Google wants really in-depth stuff. And now it's not like just pumping out 600, 800 word articles like you used to be able to do back in the day. So it's a lot more time, a lot more technique and skill. Not everybody can do that, you know? No, a lot of education that has to go into your writing too. Yep. Yep. So you've talked about simplification and what else as far as, you know, You've mentioned reinventing the wheel. Where else can we help people who are listening on coming in at the most basic level? And and what is the next step after that? Yeah, sure. So one concept that I teach in my Freedom Business Bootcamp uh, course is the concept of hand-to-hand combat. And this is really powerful, especially for people that, that are just entering the market or entering a new niche but it's getting very, very personal. Instead of trying to automate everything, like uh, let's do Facebook ads to a landing page, to an evergreen webinar, to this, to that. Like that's a very, and then an email list with a five-day email sequence. And there's a lot of automation and there's not a lot of personalization in there. And of course, personal is the simplest way to do things. Automated, anything that's automated is more complicated and it's impersonal. So it's difficult to build no like, and trust quickly with people. If you can get into a one-on-one conversation with somebody, you can build no like, trust much faster. And I always tell people, the faster you can build no like, trust, the faster you're going to get to the money. And so if you're new, you don't really like setting up all these automated systems and then trying to do Facebook ads or Google ads and drive all this cold traffic and then warm them up with an email. Seek, like, that's a very long runway. And there's a lot of stuff you got to put into place. What I did, and I just did this today as a demonstration to my 250K Society members. I created a cheat sheet um, yesterday, okay? And this is a cheat sheet on getting your messaging nailed down for products or whatever you're going to offer. It, actually, it works for freebies, webinars, whatever you're going to do. And so it, it hits on all the pillar stuff that's going to eventually go into your copy. Because everybody's like, all right, I got this thing to sell or I got this thing to offer. What do I put on my sales page? What do I put in my ads? What do I put in my emails? I don't know what to tell people to sell this thing. So this cheat sheet answers all those questions, right? So I create this cheat sheet. It takes me about 20 minutes to create the cheat sheet. I go into a group on Facebook. It's got 29,000 people in the group. And I write a little blurb. And it's a, it's a group for course creators, right? So I tailor the copy to course creators. And, I ta- and I've been in that group for a while. And I've been active. So I didn't just waltz in there, right? Um, and I, I just wrote basically outlining the problem that everybody has. And the problem that everybody comes to me for. And asking them some questions. Like, do you ever struggle to write your sales page copy? Do you ever struggle to write your emails to sell your course? And on and on and on. And I said, look, just DM me. DM me. 
and I will drop this PDF in your DM or I will email it to you or whatever you want, right? I didn't send them to an opt-in or a landing page or anything else. I said, DM me, right? I want the one-on-one kind of thing because I want to I want to be able to say, hey, here's the freebie. Let me know if you have any questions. I'd be glad to jump in and help. Like I want to be a person to these people. And so I dropped it in the group. It wasn't 10 minutes. There was eight people that were like, hey, I want it. I want it, right? An hour later, 140 people had commented, I want it. I want it. Give it to me. Like, and they're DMing me and like they're going to the website and they're going to my Facebook page and on and on and on, right? And now it was 15 minutes yesterday and it was an hour of work today to get in front of more than a hundred new people in a really personal way, right? That's hand-to-hand combat. That's not like, let's do a 3,000 word blog article and let's try to get it on Google six months from now. And then when people go to that, they'll go into our, our funnel that's gonna send them these nine emails that I wrote and like, see? See how long that runway is and how much, make the simplest thing fail first. Get a little freebie. And when I say freebie, I'm not like a 30 page ebook that everybody wants to make, this big, long, complicated thing. It was three pages, right? Of fields to fill out, like a little worksheet 15 minutes, take it into a group that really needs it and wants it, put it in front of them and start having some conversations and you're done, right? So, you know, how long would it take most beginners to get in front of a hundred new people online in a really, you know, meaningful way that would probably lead to some sales and stuff like that? going to take them a while for the most part, you know? I could have done that without a website. I could have done that without anything that I've done so far. I could have just been brand new, went in the group, said hi, talked to some people, put a couple helpful posts up, created the same exact freebie, created the same exact post, got the same exact outcome with no other infrastructure. That's making the simplest thing fail first. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's a phenomenal idea. I'm like in pause mode right now thinking about all the things that we could be doing as an agency and where we could be putting this out. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Sure. And so, you know, Pretty much everything comes down to just take an action, make a move, get going, and simplify what you're doing. And if you're starting to realize that you're creating pivot tables and charts all over the place, you're probably making it too extreme. Yes. And if you're thinking in your head about all these things that need to be done, and, and so you're mapping out complexity... When you get done mapping out complexity, the first reaction people have is not like, wow, man, I'm glad I got that all planned out. They go, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And then they don't do anything, right? right? So if you're just like, all right, what's the simplest thing I can do? What's the simplest thing I can do? All right, this is the simplest thing I can do. Oh, look, it's like two steps. Okay, I'll go do that, right? (laughs) And if it doesn't work, cool. You're a little bit ahead of where you were the other day, right? And now you can add to that, but sometimes it does work. Sometimes you sit down and you'd spend 15 minutes creating a freebie and you drop it in a group with a little, you know, catchy copy and everybody's clamoring for it. Yeah. It happens. I had a business coach who said that, you know, on a weekly basis, you just need to sit down and figure out where your hidden money is and just look at the most basic things that are out there that are staring you in the face that could provide value to someone else. And that once a week, just figure that out and put it out there. And it doesn't need to be super fancy schmancy, graphically pretty, but to just keep the conversations going. And that aligns with what you're suggesting as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And going back to personalization is, is simplification. Same thing. I had a guy come in 250K Society and, and he, was, uh, he had a, uh, an Amazon PPC agency. Uh, so trying to help people rank their products on Amazon. And a lot of times, you know, it's, you have to look at a company on a, it's a company by company thing. Like what are, what are you already doing? Where's the complexity in that? And then let's see if we can simplify. And so he was doing what most people do online, which is trying to automate everything. And so he had a, a long email sequence set up. He had a landing page that would go into that sequence, that would go into a webinar, that would try to educate them on his services and then sell them, which is a sales page. So no personalization in the process. And it was really selling something that I knew when I saw it, a lot of the people coming to him would have questions about. And I, it really just felt like, look, man, if they don't talk to you at some point, they're probably not going to buy anything. Right. So what is how can we install some personalization and some simplification? And so he did a little bit more explaining of how his process works. And what he does is he goes in and he looks at what people are already doing on Amazon and figures out, all right, what shifts and adjustments can we make? How good have you done setting up your own product? You know, Mm -hmm. because the people he's working with aren't necessarily experts. They're just trying to figure it out on their own. So. I said, look, all right, why don't you when, immediately when they come in, send them an email that says, hey, I'd love to look at one of your product pages on Amazon. Send me the link. Let me do a, a free audit for you of one of your product pages. And so people start sending him their product pages. He does the audit. And then I said, look, don't just send them the audit results that you, that you like, because you're going to write down a bunch of notes and all this other stuff. Don't just send that to them. Email them back and say, hey, I'm done with your audit. Would love to get on a call with you and just go over it with you, right? So he sent them that. And now he was initially like, ah, ah, I've never done phone stuff before. I'm like, don't worry about it, right? Are you scamming people? No. Okay. Are you legitimately trying to help them? Yes. Is your audit legit? Yes. Okay. Get them on the phone. So he'd send them, get them on the phone, calls me back like a few days later. He's like, I already closed three of these people. Like exactly, right? Like it's, it's personalization yeah. and just having that conversation. You try to automate everything and you're like a ghost and nobody buys your stuff, right? Okay. Um, so that's another example of he had this long funnel mapped out, but we install a little simplification and personalization at the beginning. And instead of sending them through a 10-day thing where nothing comes out the back end, he's converting them on day two and three, you know, into, into sale. Yeah, that's great. It's genius. And I think we all are, as we're trying to figure out how to be less hands-on, have sometimes gotten too hands-free. And people are going to get more thirsty. The more we get into this AI stuff and automation, people are going to get thirsty for that personal interaction. They're like, just give me a human being, right? That's, right. I just want to talk to a human being. The only time people really like automation is when the human interaction in that situation was annoying to them. You know, yeah. like if, if it was, if they really need a human, they don't want automation. If they, they don't like the human that they've had to interact with, then they want automation, you know? So for most online businesses that are doing really legit work, at, like the people that come to you are going to want you as right. much as possible. And it goes back to the old saying of just be willing to do stuff that doesn't scale. 
Like it doesn't necessarily scale for him to have to do all of these audits by hand for free, right? But in the beginning, it's extremely valuable because not only is he getting the sales that he wasn't getting, he's learning a lot about the process that his prospects go through and the buying decisions because he's sitting on the phone with people now, hearing their objections, hearing what they're thinking about in terms of their products and success on Amazon and what they want. Like that is such valuable feedback that he's getting that he wasn't getting before because people were just getting automated emails. I think if you try to simplify stuff and you get more personal, then you're going to win more than you're winning. Okay. So how can our listeners who have now just said, oh my gosh, I have to sit down and figure out how to simplify and come up with my easy money. Yes. How can they get a hold of you, learn more, get that tantalizing freebie that they all want to DM you for right now too. So how can we get them more information on you? For sure. So everything is found at digitalambition.co. Uh, of course, everybody is a podcast listener here. So you are a fan of podcasts, go in your podcast app and search for Digital Ambition and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, but if you want that freebie that I mentioned, just go to the site, shoot me an email and or hit me up on social media, whatever. Oh, hopefully I'm not banned on Facebook by the time you find me. But, uh, you know, find a way to get in touch. And like I said, you know, personal interactions. I want to hear from you. I want you to shoot me an email or a message or whatever. And, uh, and I'll shoot that over to you. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, really appreciate you tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them Today. Look forward to speaking with you all at a later date. And Kevin, thank you. Thank you. 